Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best tools and analysis on the internet for fantasy basketball. That is HashtagBasketball.com. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? We should just title this the the Mike episode, right? This is Mike's team, and Mike's going to have some crazy wild ideas that I'm going to have to probably shoot down. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun night. I feel like this is the episode that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, we are still chugging away at our 30 teams in over 30 days preview sessions, and we have finally arrived at the Chicago Bulls. Um, I know that our Patreon subscribers, this is the, this is the one they've been asking for. This is the one that they are, uh, they've been looking for. And I want to give a special shout out to some new Patreons, uh, who are, uh, we're getting a lot of people jumping in for the uh, listener leagues. And I think they're um, jumping in for your, for your G league tryout. Yeah, that's true. If we get enough, uh, subscribers, I will try out for the Chicago bulls G league team. And um, I, w- so I would like to let everybody know that I'm 5'6", and that will be highly entertaining. So if we do get enough Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash watching the boxes, I want to give a special shout out to Darren Wilson. Thank you, Darren Wilson, for joining. You are um, a, a very valued listener. I really, really appreciate that. And if you guys want to get a shout out on the, on the podcast or entrance into the listener leagues, go check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Tyler, shall we do it? Oh, we might as well. We're not getting any younger, as they say. You don't seem excited about this. I'm very excited about this. The Chicago Bulls. I think I actually had a pretty decent offseason. Robin Lopez left for the Miami Bucks to play – or the Miami Bucks, wow. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks to play with his brother. Uh, Antonio Blakeney left, who I kind of, you know, liked coming off the bench. And uh, Timothy Lualu Cabaret is someone I kind of dug – who is hanging around at the end of the bench uh, of this team. But you know what? You got to make room for these uh, straight ballers that they just brought on. Thomas Sanaransky, Thad Young. They drafted Kobe White and Daniel Gafford. And they signed Luke Cornett, who actually w- will probably be a factor in some of the uh, in some of the games, which is scary to me. Uh, hopefully, Daniel Gafford is better than Luke Cornett, but you never know. Um, but overall, the starting lineup, is pretty much the same as it was last year, minus Robin Lopez. And that's, uh, I think that gives us a good idea what, what we're going to see in Chicago next year. Um, and, and I think the Bulls got better in this sense that, you know, they're going to have a full season of Otto Porter. And, you know, they're just, they got, you know, some pieces there. I think Sadaransky is going to play a lot. I think, you know, Kobe White is eventually someone who could be interesting for them. Um, yeah, so I think they got better, and they. Should I ask my question already, Mike? I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead. Um, are they a playoff team? Are they a playoff team in the East? Eight seed Bulls, you know they are. They're definitely gonna sneak into that eight seed. Uh, Detroit's not that good. Come on, they're gonna sneak into that eight seed. I think they got it. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'll give you that. I mean, like the eight seed in the East is not gonna be that good, but at the same time, I don't know that Chicago's gonna get it, and. I think it'll be the it'll, if they get rid of their coach. 
That's true. And I think he might hold them back. Um, it'll be a very interesting race, though, kind of in the East. And the sad part is, like, the 13th best team in the West will still be better than the 8th team in the East. But um, semantics, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the top 12 teams in the West will be better than the, the top, like, everybody but the top three in the East, pretty much. Like, it's going to be pretty big bloodbath out in the West, which is why the Chicago Bulls actually could make the playoffs. Like, I think it's a, a distinct possibility. I'm going to go to more games than I went to last year, that's for sure. Um, but I think there's still some questions about, you know, on the fantasy aspect. Um, for the Chicago Bulls, I have seen a lot of the Chicago Bulls going past, you know, outside of the top 50. And I think there is a chance... Now, if I, if I had to put money on it, I would say there's two players who would end up in the top 50. But I think there's a chance that three players on the Chicago Bulls could theoretically end up in the top 50. Is that is that way too bold of a statement? Is that my bold prediction uh, for the year? No, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy. I mean, All right. what about the top 50? And then four I'll say, players. Now that's that's pushing it. Um, I'll say this <laughs> to that. That kind of, you know, we we talk about this a little bit. You know, the first, the second round's got some players where it's like, ooh, man, do I really want to pick this person that high? Um, but then, you know, once we get to that, you know, 30 to 50 range, like there's a lot of guys and there's a lot of fungibility, a lot of interchangeability there um, where there may be, you know, 10 extra guys. The 50 to 60 are all you know, pretty high quality talents. And I think the gap between kind of that first plateau and that second one might be a little bit larger this year. I think that you know, there's a lot of really good guys and the pace is up and, and all those things. Um, you know, that 50 to 60, 65 range is still a really strong tier. And then the drop off uh, eventually happens. And I think those guys are maybe even a little further back than they are sometimes. I've, I've found a ton of value in like the fifth and sixth rounds so far. And it is due to kind of like a lot of guys slipping. And I actually think um, I've gone back and forth who I'd want to draft first from the Chicago Bulls. Um, I've been leaning for Lowry Marketing as, and I think I'm still going to, just to be an optimist, I was still going to stick with Lowry Marketing as my first pick off the board. Uh, but I feel like you're getting him outside of the top 50. He, and, and I don't know why. Because Lowry Marketing, even though he was. Um, a bit banged up last season and he was he did sit out for uh, an injury for a little bit of the season last uh, last year the basically the end of the season he was still per game in 32 minutes the 40th ranked player per game eight almost 19 points nine rebounds a half a steal half a block um 43 which i feel like could go up a little bit um and then over two threes a game and that's coming from a guy like a big like you're, it's a big uh, who's getting close to ten rebounds a game, who's hitting multiple threes, scoring well. Uh, what's going to keep him outside of those top tiers is definitely the assists and steals. Uh, but you know, a half a steal, a half a block is better than less. So he's not going to be an and elite the, player, the, but he's, I feel like he could be a top fifty player, taking a little step up this year. Worry is you know sixty eight and fifty two games, and. You know, we we definitely want to see more than that, right? We want to see 75 games. Now, this guy's young, and, 
you know, it could have just been two fluky injuries in his first two seasons, but at some point, you know, we got to see that 70, 75 game season and we still haven't seen that yet. Um, that's a bit concerning. It's a bit concerning too, to grab a power forward who's going to shoot 43% to me. Um, you know, you obviously want to see that a little bit higher. And if you're punting that percentage, then that's fine. Um, I think Larry Markkinen is an interesting guy. He does a lot of interesting things, but I think you mentioned it too, that, you know, he's kind of got three or four categories where he's good and four categories where he's kind of bad. Right. So, um, he's a, a bit of a divisive player in that way. And I think depending on your punch strategy, I could see him kind of going in the top 50. Um, I think you're right. There's some good value in him. I think he's kind of going in that, you know, 60 to 75 range somewhere in most of the drafts I've been in. And I feel like there might be a little bit of value there. Now I'm also can safely say I'm not like, Oh, I have to get Laurie marketing on my team. Like I'm not, you know, marking him down as one of the first two or three players that I'm definitely going to try to grab in that sixties range. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you if you're building the right team, I think he fits kind of perfectly. Then, you know, Larry Markkinen could give you some nice value. Yeah, I um, I actually will disagree that he shouldn't be targeted. Um, I, I I still have him as a plateau, like that first plateau player. But like you're saying, that first plateau is a little bit better than in years past. Uh, there's still some pretty talented guys in there, and I am targeting Larry Markkinen in the fifth round. Uh, or even yeah. in the sixth round for sure, but the fifth round, if you, you're not going to get a pick back to you, I, I, I can understand why you would target him because there is a pretty decent drop off after that, depending on who's still on the board. And, and you're not, this is you're a, not, this is not a guy I'm going into my draft going like I gotta get him. I think this is no. the guy that, that your team your team gets built around him, and then you want him. Like I think this, you know you're he you're it's a, a mold, right? Yeah, I like yes. the mold. And that was I guess fits. my point is like. Yeah. He's got to fit my team. Like, because there are certain teams where, like, this guy is dang, dang near outside the top 100, right? Like, if the categories you're really going for are oh, assists and, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't, I don't see, like, he's going to give you good rebounds. But if you're punting rebounds, there's another category where he's not helping you. You know what I mean? Like, so I guess if I like. If you're doing it. a weird build, like, cool. Like, then figure out your team for yourself. I think overall, though, this is a very solid middle middle round player who is young enough to take a leap and who is able to score in bunches and get good rebounds and hit threes and will probably be a little bit more a that, part of the offense than he was last year. Does it worry you that there's multiple players on the team that could all maybe take a leap? And there's obviously only so many shots and... I mean everything, right? Rebounds, um, assists, everything on the really. team, right? So like, I'm, so so you're betting on him being the guy that takes the takes the leap, or you're betting on maybe the bench is just worse and he's gonna get some more run and some more shots and some more. I think like, you have to mention Thaddeus Young in this conversation, right? You have to mention Thaddeus Young. That, that's Thaddeus my point. Young is like, involved, but you did lose Robin Lopez, so those minutes have to go somewhere. Uh, Thaddeus Young probably picks up Robin Lopez's minutes. Um, I, I just don't see a, unless Jim Boylan has a couple strokes and he becomes dumber than he already is and says in this young rebuilding team, I want to play the veterans like Thad Young over the, um, potential totally, uh, you know, possible breakout could be an all-star at some point in his career. 
Lowry Markkinen in this kind of crucial stage of his development, I'm going to play the old professionals over him. I just don't see how Lowry Markkinen's minutes go down, even with that young and ten. I guess what I'm what I'm asking is like, are there more minutes? Like, is it going to be 32? Is that what you're thinking? Or are you thinking like maybe he gets 33, 34? Um, and I think Thad Young is an important factor in that, in the sense that unless you know Thad Young's probably going to play a little bit of three and a little bit of four, right? And Larry Markkinen's probably going to play some four and some five. So is he going to play a little more five, or is he going to you know Thad Young going to be a little more marginalized than we've seen Thad Young, especially in Indiana? Um, yeah, I, I don't think, like I said, the minutes go down and I actually think the minutes could go up a little bit, uh, maybe just one, one and a half simply because like Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be holding down the center spot and we'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, Daniel Gifford's going to have to prove himself. Luke Cornett is not somebody you want playing a ton of minutes. Um, and, and Thad Young, I think is going to, is going to kind of be an all, He's going to be an all-time sub, I guess. Like He's going to be the sixth man of the year because he's going to play the three, four, and five for the, the Bulls at, at points during the season. And he's going to – I think he's going to be a really, really good like asset. Like I, I think Thad Young is underrated in, both in fantasy and in real life, uh, which is usually pretty pretty rare. And I just, I just don't see a world where Lowry Markkinen's minutes are marginalized because – it's Wendell Carter, Thaddeus Young, and 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 Larry Markkinen. That's really all we're talking about. Who can get minutes at the four and the five, along with the occasional sprinkling sprinkling of Luke Cornett and, and Daniel Gifford, which I don't feel like busts into those into those minutes. So yeah, no, I uh, think that we see those it. two. I think we see those two mostly play when you know Markkinen or Young or Carter Jr. is out for whatever reason that might be. Um, I don't think those two are going to be a super factor. And then I'm with you. I think if Mark Nick can get, you know, you know, 33, 34 minutes, um, that's obviously going to help his value. It's going to even push him closer to that top 50. And this is the next player on this list is someone I would consider taking ahead of Lowry Marketing in the right situation, uh, maybe in a Roto League. Here's the issue. In all of the mock drafts that I have uh, that I have been in, I have not seen this guy like bust it, uh, be in the top 50 at all. Like I just really haven't. Um, for some really, really strange reason, Otto Porter has been falling into like the sixth round, sometimes even the seventh round. Now that might change if, uh, if rankings change on Yahoo um, or if they change on the other, I guess the other platforms where they're like, oh yeah, we were idiots. We should have ranked Otto Porter a lot higher. And then suddenly you're going to have to take Otto Porter first, like in, in the fourth round. And that kind of yeah, so, makes sense because uh, that's, that's his value, right? Like fourth round, Otto Porter is really, really good. He played really well in Chicago. He took on a bigger role. He played more minutes and he's a great Roto player. Like he does a little bit of everything. So just for for sake of saying, right, Otto Porter ranked 41st in hashtag basketball's rankings, um, 52nd in Mark Roberts' rankings. Um, first question about Otto Porter. Was the scoring real in the sense that he scored 17.5 points last year for the Bulls in only 15 games, right? Um, we'd seen basically the four seasons before that he'd been – or the three seasons right before that he had been right around 14 a game. Um, are you expecting closer to that 14, closer to that 17 and a half, or potentially maybe even something completely different um, on this Bulls team as it is constructed? 
I mean, that's a small sample size theater kind of question. Like it's 15 games. It's not it's enough. It's really, it's some, um, you know, pretty hot shooting. I mean, he shot 48.8% from three point range. I don't believe anyone will shoot 48.8% for the entire season this year. I could be very wrong about that, but I don't believe it will happen. Yeah. Um, I would say like his work, like to me, his worst case scenario is he looks like he did in Washington, which was like, you know, 14 points, um, almost two threes, about around six rebounds, uh, steal and a half, half a block, a decent percentage. He his percentages have uh, went down last year because he was asked to take more shots, both on and, Washington and, and Chicago. And, and so, I, I, let, but they went down to forty six percent for the season. That's not really that bad on eleven shots per eleven and a half shots per game. So let's give him an extra shot or two. So let's give him an extra point or two. It's somewhere in between what he did for the Bulls and what he did for Washington last season. And to me, that's still like a that's like a top forty player. Yeah, but he's also a guy who's that's kind of his floor and his ceiling. Like, I think he's super safe, but I don't really yeah. think that Otto Porter is going to be anything that he's not. So I can kind of see why he, yeah, he's probably a top, you know, 40 to 50 player, but I kind of see why he goes at that lower range of that, just in the sense that, like, you're not going to get any extra, you're not going to get any super value from him if you take him at 40. You're going to get 40 because, I mean, I just don't really see any way that he's like a top you know, 20 player. Like that's just not, not his game. You might, get like, you might get like 38 and you might get like 44. And um, either way though, I get not taking him at his value. Cause you don't want to draft really anybody at their value. But once it's into, uh, into the 50 plus I'm seeing him go into the 60 plus I'm seeing guys who are like, have no business uh, even smelling the top 50 being drafted over auto Porter. Otto Porter's not a sexy name. He doesn't do sexy things. He does not have sexy stat lines, but he wins you weeks and he wins you roto leagues because he just does a little bit of everything. And he's a, if you can get him in the sixth round, that's insane. Oh yeah. And right. And he's just one of those guys too, who there's no real holes in the game, but then there's also no stat where you're like, I'm getting him for this category. Right. Cause you mentioned that like field goal percentage is often very good, but it's not on a huge, huge volume of attempts. You know what I mean? And just kind of everything else is just good, but not great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Otto Porter's fine, and I, I think he's going at a value. Too. I think a lot of these Bulls guys are a little bit overlooked in some scenarios, right? Like that no one just wants an Otto Porter because he's not sexy and Laurie Market. There's only one guy I've seen get a little bit of hype, and I'm sure we'll talk about him. I think um, we're going to talk about him next. His name is Zach Levine. Um, Zach Levine was had like an incredibly – hot start to the season last year he was scoring in bunches he was hitting a lot of shots that uh he had not hit in the past uh i think really zach levine did work on his game he was really uh improving himself and he was given the green light to do everything uh, especially shoot because no one else on that team was shooting uh zach levine's gonna have to learn how to pass the ball a little bit more and give it to larry markham and carter jr Otto porter because uh, one, we don't know who the point guard is on this team. And two, Zach Levine can't just be chucking up shots all game. Um, Zach Levine, what I've seen in uh, fantasy drafts and mock drafts, he's been the first bull to go off the board. And that's been really, really strange to me. And I feel like that is due to his sexy, sexy point numbers. Last season, scoring almost 24 points a game 
with uh, five rebounds and four and a half assists with a steal. He's kind of like a poor man's Bradley Beal. But overall, per game, he ended up 55th overall. So, and- like, seeing him go in the third round or fourth round is kind of weird when you could have Larry Market and or Otto Porter. Here's the other little bit worrying part for me. Now, I know there was a torn ACL in here, so that's part of it. But uh, 47, 24, 63 games, that's not a great trend, right? And Good track record. I'm a little concerned now that the – his first two seasons in the NBA were 77 and 82. So, I mean, obviously that's good. But you've had three seasons of not great games. Um, you mentioned it, right? The 23 points. Is the 23 points real? Like you mentioned, he got off to a really hot start. He was he was averaging like 25, 26 after like the first two months, right? Like, And that kind of trickled off, I believe, late in the season. So sh- should we expect that? Or should we expect something uh, I a little bit think- less? Like I – Yes, expect close to 23 because, like, yeah, like, expect close to 23 simply because someone needs to get off on this team and he's able to do that. And I do think his game is steadily improving. I don't think that was a, a weird sample size fluke. I think it's just the fact that someone like Zach Levine is 24 years old. He's still very young. So the kind of mini leap that he took last year, or you could even say leap that he took last year, um, he's going to be healthier this season. Uh, he's going to still play the same role on this team for the most part. And I do want to get into that in a little bit. Um, but I would expect a very similar to Zach Levine to last year, which like he's going to have to have better rebounds and better assists and step up his steals in order to move the needle fantasy wise. So to me, like this is his weirdly, his ceiling is kind of what he looked like last year i just don't know where he improves at all and there's kind of a few places he could decrease yeah so he was he's 48th in hashtag basketball's rankings he's 59th in mark's rankings um i can say i'm not super interested in him in the top 50 just injury track record is a little sketchy right you get the, the blocks that were point four last year which was better right but they've been 0.2 pretty much every other year, so that's a that's a scary category. Only one steal, so okay, but not great. Um, yeah, I'm kind of more into him in that you know 50 to 60, 65 range. Um, he may very easily beat that number uh, this year, but I, I just don't. I mean, you're getting great yeah. points. You're getting percentages. You're getting two threes, which we talk about two threes is becoming less and less of anything, right? The four and a half rebounds and four and a half assists are, are fine, but you're also not getting like the points are really what you're after, and the rest of the categories are just okay. Well, that's pretty good. That's okay. That's fine, but um, you're not getting. Hey, I mean, value. second I get, best value is probably free throws, right? I mean, you get you shot six a game last year at eighty three percent. That's probably the second best category. That's point. Uh, that's that's very solid. That's a very good and like five rebounds and almost five assists from a kind of a guard wing like that he sort of the combo guardish thing that he plays whatever he does, um, pretty good. Like that, it's nothing's really like terrible here. Um, I just I don't want to pick any. I don't want to pick him in the top five rounds, round sixty sixty five. Uh, those picks. Then you're starting to see value. If you're in a head-to-head league and maybe like you really need those points, okay, maybe bump them up a little bit. The points are um, pretty um, impressive to get at the at that later stages in the draft. But I want to throw this out here. Zach Levine was 10th in usage last year in the NBA ahead of Russell Westbrook, 
Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, and Kyrie Irving. So um, that, to me, feels like it has nowhere to go but down because this team is healthy now. Larry Markin does need the ball more, and he probably will get it more. There are three legitimate um, point guards on this team. Well, maybe two and a half legitimate point guards on this team who will need who will play with Zach Levine, um, and that will probably end up being something that uh, he will no longer have to take on the role of the de facto point guard because there was no like Ryan Archidiakono was like playing was starting for the Chicago Bulls, and like. Diakono is hilarious. If you've seen what he looks like, he's probably like the first NBA player or like one of the few NBA players ever that can like show up to the club and be like, yeah, I'm the starting point guard for the Chicago bulls. And everybody laughs at him and kicks him out of the club. Like he's legitimately looks like normal, regular white dude. Um, that guy is going to be coming off the bench this year. Cause there are, there are a lot more point guard options, which means Zach Levine isn't going to be the guy pounding the ball out. So like I don't see the upside here, and that's why I'm staying away from Zach Levine in that top fifty because like he could finish in the top fifty, but it was upside. I don't see where it goes. He played almost thirty five minutes a game. He had incredibly high usage, and his percentage was forty six percent. Like I I don't know how it how he improves hardly anywhere other than assists, and he's not going to be asked to be the person who makes his assists. So I'm I'm down on Zach Levine. I think a lot of people are up on him though. I would argue that I don't see much. I don't see much of a ceiling pass like the, the being the 40th ranked player. So, for me, I'm I'm kind of with you. All right, Tyler. There's one other guy that's going to finish in the top 50 this year. I don't. I I actually do not believe that. I'm not that. I'm not that big of a homer. I am a big homer, but I'm not that big of a homer. I'm not not that naive. But I will say, if you look at the probability curve of what Wendell Carter Jr. could do, his top-tier potential, which I don't think will happen this year, but his top-tier potential is legitimately a top-50 player in fantasy basketball, which is why you've seen him uh, getting picked um, around the uh, end of that seventh round into the eighth round. Uh, ahead of g- other guys, he's kind of like uh, I think he's a lot of expert insiders, kind of like a sleeper that they're, that they're not really like publicizing as a sleeper. Like everybody's talking about Johnny Collins, but like Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> legitimately could have a better season than John Collins, and I I wouldn't I would be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be like shocked. Well, Wendell Carter's going to actually steal the ball and block some shots, right? Exactly. And I mean, Johnny Collins is going to score more and probably get a little bit more rebounds, but it's not going to be like drastically more rebounds. Like uh, John Collins last year, 19 and a half and 10. So 20 and 10 with a three, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. could easily get 10 rebounds a game because he's the starting center. He could hit a three a game. He's able to hit threes. Uh, Three games seems a little bit steep and um, he's, don't think he's going to score 20 points, but he could score like 15. Uh, per 36-minute um, numbers last year, right? So, I mean, take those for what they're worth. He averaged exactly 10 rebounds, uh, 2.5 assists, 0.8 steals, 1.9 blocks, and 14.8 points a game. He was a 
terrible three-point shooter last year, and that's something to watch because you know, we were sold in the draft that he could shoot threes. He was 6 of 32 in 44 games last year. Yeah, well, so he, I, but you can't really take any of these Wendell Carter stats seriously. He played. He only played 44 games, and he was mostly injured. Uh, it's, it's a small sample size uh, for sure. Um, but you you aren't wrong that like his three-point game needs work. But over time, I think he is someone who can develop a three-point shot um, similar to John Collins's, and as you were alluding oh, I mean, to, Wendell Carter we've Jr. Seen, gets we've blocks. Seen, we've seen anybody develop a three-point shot, right? I mean, if, if if some of the guys we've already seen do it can do it, I'm I'm convinced anyone can do it at this point. Yeah, ig- exactly. And I I'm with you that like I'm overselling Wendell Carter Jr. right now. Uh, I would definitely draft John Collins over Wendell Carter Jr. for sure. But if I have to spend my third round pick on John Collins and I could get Wendell Carter Jr. in the eighth round or the ninth round, I would rather have Wendell Carter Jr. in the eighth or ninth round. Fact on that. Uh, how many minutes for Wendell Carter Jr. this year? That's my that's my uh, one kind of main sticking point here, right? Is like to to vault him you know, well into the top 100, whatever number that is, he can't play 25 minutes a game, right? So we think need... it's 30. And I don't, I just don't know where else they're going to um, go with that center spot. Luke Cornett. There was Daniel the, but here's the worrying part for me. And I talk about this a lot and we've now, he was a rookie last year. So it's a little easier because we do see some rookies do this. And then it comes down three and a half fouls in 25 minutes a game last year. That number is going to have to definitely decrease um, pretty significantly or Wendell Carter Jr. are not going to play 30 minutes that often because he's going to be on the bench with foul trouble. Yeah. Uh, and I, what are the, one of the um, I guess one of the things you continue to hear, just coaches, trainers, people uh, around the league when they talk about Wendell Carter Jr. is that he has um, basically like a veteran sense of where to be on defense. And if anyone can, I feel like if anyone can learn to like, you know, you, you keep looking at, you talk about Hassan Whiteside and you talk about Mitchell Robinson, all these guys who are getting like three blocks a game. Um, if they were going to want to stay on the court and they're going to want to be out there uh, longer than like 22, 25 minutes a game, they're going to have to stop fouling, which means stop trying to block every single shot. If anyone could figure that out, it seems like Wendell Carter Jr. is at, at the top of that list simply because every single person you you hear speak about Wendell Carter Jr. is that his defense is the best part of his game, and he's like 19 years old. And that's that's good, right? And that's, that's obviously very positive. Um, the question for me is, are we going to see it this year, or, or is it – you know, three the years down, down the track, years, yeah, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because what you mentioned it, right? He's 20. He's 20 years old. Turns 21 in April. So basically, the season will be over before the kid's 21 years old. Um, there's still a ton of time for him to develop. But in a redraft league, it, it's great if he's, you know, amazing in three years, but it doesn't really help me in fantasy. Exactly. Um, um, and, and I think I've actually seen this around... guy get, get hyped in a couple leagues and go um, – a little higher than I would take him. So I'm interested to see where, where you are very interested in this man, because I see you've seen a lot more Chicago Bulls basketball than I have. Sadly, I certainly have. And I agree. Like in the expert drafts I've been in, I've seen Wendell Carter Jr. Go a lot earlier than I particularly want to take him. Um, 
But when you start looking at that second plateau, when you start looking at the seventh round, the eighth round, there's not a lot of like, there's only like a handful of guys who have a lot of upside. Like we, you kind of know what Enos Cantor is going to do and, or Serge Ibaka is going to do. And if you need those stats, you want to play it safe. That looks, that sounds good. But if you want to take a little bit of a swing on someone with some high upside who, you know, I'd say his safe middle is still a top 100 player. Then like when oh, yeah, in the seventh round is kind of where I'm, where I'm looking to, where I'm looking to take him. Uh, if I see him in the eighth round for, for sure. Works out to basically, uh, well, he's 89th in hashtag best goals rankings playing 29 minutes a game. And he is 97th in marks rankings playing 27 minutes a game. So, I mean, as long as you believe he's going to play, you know, 26, 27 minutes a game, he's a top 100 player. Um, I'm with you that he could be a guy to take a swing on, right? In the sense that he's young and he could get a lot better. I just, I definitely don't want to pay like a top 60 or 70 pick. And I've seen him in a few drafts, like he's going in that, you know, kind of right around the 70 pick. That's probably not for me. I'd much rather have them in that kind of 80, 90 range. Um, then I feel good about there's a lot of safety and there's also not, not a lot of risk with that pick. And I mean, obviously that's a lot of the making any pick is managing the risk. Right. And I don't see any way that he's super outside the top 100 unless he plays 44 games again. Uh, but uh, I don't know if that's a concern or not really. I mean, I've only seen one season of data on that. I'm hoping it's, you know, these guys are all injury prone and then I'm just going to spend the rest of my life watching injured bulls players play for other teams and play better for those other teams in the future. But yeah, I mean, this guy's the starting center for the Chicago Bulls and he's young and very, very talented. It's a great player to take a swing on. And I think in that second plateau, um, I've been playing my mock drafts very safe and you know what? That's good, but it's also boring. You can play it. You can have a majority of your picks safe, but you got to take a swing or two in order to like, non-risky swings are smart because like Wendell Carter Jr., best case scenario, right? He ends up being like a top 70 player. Uh, probable best case scenario. Not like best, best case scenario, but probable best case scenario, like top 70 player. He's like very, very good. Uh, has some some good value for your team at where you picked him. And then on the reverse side of that, you know, he's like a top 100 player. Okay. He didn't live up to where you picked him, but like it wasn't like you got a guy who had to drop. So and, that's and, a really positive swing to take. Um, and uh, I'm probably going to try to take that swing in, in as many leagues as I can. Also, you know, I mean, there's so many players, you know, once we get to that, you know, 80, 90 range where it's like, okay, well, I can take this guy, but there's just not much of any upside whatsoever. Like, he's just going to be fine. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not against taking that swing. Okay, I, so we got – I might take a got, swing on Gordon Hayward or – That's Mikhail, fair, right? We've seen Gordon Hayward be a top Mikhail, 30 player. Yeah. Yeah, or Mikel Bridges even, maybe. I think that's kind of a toss-up, Mikel Bridges or Wendell Carter Jr. I might go with Wendell Carter over that one, but I don't know if I have as much faith in Mikel Bridges as everybody else seems to have. Oh, Mikel Bridges, for for what it's worth, right, has a category. He has one category where he's going to be relatively elite, right? We've seen him be relatively elite in steals. He's a pretty good steal. Yeah, he's a good steals guy. And he also got half a block. So if you can play that, you know, kind of on the wing, you know, an elite steals with half a block is pretty good. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how much Phoenix plays him. 
because uh, well, Phoenix doesn't always make the best decisions as far as playing time. Okay, I think we got one one position left to talk about and one other player left to talk about on this yeah. show because actually the rest like is got, not looking with this like, position. There's three players to talk about. And and the position right is interesting, but let's just talk about Thad Young. Get him out of the way. Do you want Thad Young in a standard league? Um, he comes out to 119th in hashtag basketballs rankings and 112th in Mark Roberts rankings. In both cases, playing 26 and 27 minutes per game. Um, so, obviously, Thad Young, great steals, right? Great steals, some pretty decent rebounds, right? Like five and a half, six, and not a ton ton l so a good field goal percentage bad free throws but on very limited volume uh thad young has been like a fantasy sleeper for like as long as i can remember nobody ever drafts thad young nobody's interested in thad young and then he's just knocking out a half a block and one and a half steals a game every single game shooting a good percentage um Thad Young's usage is definitely going, or his minutes are definitely going to go down, but I'm not sure his, his usage was already pretty low. So he's very efficient in the minutes that he plays anyway. So let's say he goes from playing, he only played like 30, 31 minutes last season in Indianapolis. So let's say it goes down to 28, 27. I still think that makes him a top 100 player. And I've actually seen Thad Young not be drafted in mock drafts. Uh, he's usually kind of like a super late, uh, last round pick, and I feel that's a pretty that's a pretty good value, considering what we just talked about with Wendell Carter Jr. and Larry Markkinen being uh, people, uh, two players that have not stayed consistently healthy. While Thad Young's last uh, games played eighty one last year, two years ago eighty one, seventy four before that. So like this guy is someone who stays healthy. So you're kind of getting it's kind of weird because like we don't really talk about like. Yo, know, get the backup running back, you know, like uh, so you can in case of an injury. I, I don't play that game in in fantasy basketball, but I do consider that a factor here is that Thad Young is the primary backup for like three positions on this team. So if anything does happen, he's going to play like thirty plus minutes, and now you're talking about a top seventy-five guy. He's a player, and I don't think most people realize this he's a one of the very few players where if you're looking at the rotation as a whole you're probably saying okay that's you know 25 26 27 minutes but he's one of those guys who when you look up at the end of the season i'm guessing the number is pretty close to 30 still and you mentioned it right you know and even if they only miss five or six games, right? But you talk Larry Markin and misses five or six games. And Wendell Carter Jr. misses five or six different games. And Otto Porter misses four or five or six games. So that's like 15 games there where he's playing, what, 32, 33, 34, 35 minutes? Those add up over time, and those obviously increase that average to where – yeah, it would not surprise me at all, right? Maybe Thad Young has a hot shooting game, and you know we bench one of those guys down the stretch because Thad Young's making everything. Uh, He's also a great defender, so like maybe we just need some defense out there. Uh, so he ends up playing down the stretch. Maybe he becomes a crunch time five type of guy in certain situations. Uh, the 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 road for Thad Young's playing time is very clear. A lot of these like guys we've talked about these like super late picks. Um, we're just not sure. Like Zach Collins, we we feel like he's gonna play, but like I don't know, Dario Saric. Yeah, I feel like he's gonna play too, but like there's still a lot of question mark. Thad Young's gonna play, and 
And and Thad Young is going to be good at what Thad Young does. I think we. I think so, we're, that's safe to say, right? He's just he's Thad Young. If you're in a ten team league, I can see why he becomes a waiver wire player. But if you're in a twelve team league, uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't be rostered. Yeah, right. I mean, there's just he's definitely a top one hundred fifty player, even in twenty five minutes. So I don't see. I mean, I think there's only upside there, and there's obviously not a ton of ton of upside, but. Yeah, I think that Young's just very good. Okay, now unpacking these point guards. All um, right, this is the real this is the real mess here. So Sadoransky came over right in a sign and trade restricted free agency uh, mess. Call yes. that. Uh, Chris Dunn was nominally the starter for most of last season, correct? Um, uh, when he was uh, healthy, yes. Then obviously Ryan Archie Diacono, a man you mentioned, played quite a bit. And then obviously the new kid on the block, seventh overall pick, Kobe White. So you got four guys all kind of vying for one spot. I don't see them playing a lot of two point guard lineups. Uh, maybe Kobe White and Sadaransky, you know, kind of share the court at sometimes. You know, maybe second unit Kobe White plays a little two guard. Um, he played primarily two guard at North Carolina, I believe. Um, so that's a possibility, but there's obviously not that many minutes to go around for these four players. So are you thinking this is going to be a fantasy headache, right? Which is where um, both of our men have pretty much ranked it that way, right? They've ranked uh, Sadoransky for 26 minutes and Sadoransky for 25 minutes and then Chris Dunn for like 24 minutes. So uh, what what are you expecting, I guess? That's where we'll start here. Yeah. Well, this is, I think, the real big fantasy question here is, like, does anything even ever happen this season? Does anything ever come to fruition for this point guard situation? Because, Chris, I don't feel like the team is – I feel like if the team uh, – the Bulls would take a trade for Chris Dunn if they could, but I don't feel like they're done with Chris – well, done with Chris Dunn. Uh He's not just going to sit on the bench. He's not going to play like two minutes a game. So he's got to have time. Sidoransky can play the two, the one and the two. Um, I mean, you could even really, he's so big. There could even be lineups where he ends up being at the three because there is no Six real point guard seven, on this team. Right? Yeah. I mean, like he's, there's, he's there's, big. And he's very good. And I think the, the, the basketball heads out there, if you've seen him over on Twitter, the NBA Twitter guys, they're all like, Sadoransky is the best point guard on this team. Everybody's an idiot. They'll start Sadoransky, and he's going to play 33 minutes, and they're going to make the playoffs. All right, well, while I'm, st- I'm still drinking the playoff Kool-Aid bandwagon, and that's a really good way for them to head towards the playoffs, I know Garpax. I know Jim Boylan. I know how this team actually operates. That would make too much sense for Sadoransky to play 32 um, minutes and be the Here's another guard. thing. That's not going to happen. Another thing that I'll say about this. Can he be that good? And here's why I'll, I'll say that. Okay, he played behind John Wall and Bradley Beal the first two years in Washington. But John Wall missed relatively the whole season last year. And Sadoransky only played 27.1 minutes a game as a 27-year-old on a Washington team that stunk when John Wall wasn't on it. So, yeah, you can say, oh, he produces a lot of good stats and, and blah, 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 blah. I don't know that he's that good, man. I just don't know. He had a defensive rating of 116 last year. It's not very good. That's not not very good at all. So, like, you know, there's a narrative here that that he – and obviously Chicago wanted him, right? They they acquired him for a reason. But 
to say that he's the savior here or some amazing point guard is maybe not totally factually correct. I don't I don't buy into that narrative at all. I, I do think that Sadarinsky should play more because I do think he's fairly talented. But when you talk about fantasy-wise, if he's playing like 32, 33 minutes, he's rosterable because he's going to get like six assists a game. He's going to be a starting point guard. And he does a little bit of everything. He's not great at anything, but he, he does a, enough of things where if he's playing that many minutes a game, um, then yeah, he should be on a on a roster. Here's the thing. Dunn's going to play, Sadoransky's going to play, and they're going to get Kobe White out there. And they're going to rotate those guys into both positions. I think even Archie Diakono is going to play, which is kind of sad. But um, the dude hustles. And that guy has, like, no fantasy potential. But they're Jim all going to be rotated. And that, that's Jim Boylan loves them. Yes, it's that's annoying. That's an underrated aspect on this team, maybe more than a lot of other teams, right, is Jim Boylan. coach does what Jim Boylan wants to do, and I think he loves RTD Icono, and I would not be all, all surprised to see him. But here's the reality. Like, what what minutes uh, – so aren't yeah, you saying was, it's, it's going to be a headache situation in the sense that, like, he pulls a, a Fizdale, and it's like, okay, one night it's Sadoransky for 30 and Chris Dunn for 10 and RTD Icono for 8, and then the next night it's Chris Dunn for 30 and Thomas Sadoransky for 18 and RTD Icono and Kobe White don't play it hardly at all you know what i mean like is it is it one of those situations or is it like a very regimented like okay you get 25 and you get 22 and you're playing 18 and you're playing zero oh no jim boylan who sucks and is one of the worst coaches in the league and uh was also in a headline uh the first sports headline where the word mutiny was in the headline this dude is going to be all over the place. And I do think it's going to be a little bit of a, like you're saying, a Fizdale situation. And that is giving too much credit to Fizdale, I feel, because like Boylan's that much worse. Um, all of these guys are going to play. There's not going to be any rhyme or reason to the rotations. And even if there was a rhyme and reason, none of them are going to have value because of that. So you're not going to be able to probably guess how the value is going to pan out. And most likely is that none of them will have value at all. And that's why until maybe like, you know, a mid uh, at the all-star break when they're like, all right, we're sitting Chris Dunn or they trade Chris Dunn or something happens, right? Until something happens, this is a stay away situation or maybe like a waiver wire streaming situation at best. Um, Deep league, however many teams that takes, you've got to take a shot on a Bulls point guard. First, we'll ask where that would be. Like what pick number, relatively speaking, and secondarily, we'll ask which player you would take the shot on. Because um, we've seen Chris Dunn be good for fantasy, well, regardless yeah, if he's that's... good in real life or not. He's good for fantasy. Like six assists, four rebounds, one and a half steals, half a block, eleven point three points last year. All pretty good numbers for fantasy. Um, Sadoransky last year, you know, three and a half rebounds, five assists, a steal. The points aren't great, but they're good percentages. They're not on good volume, but they're good percentages. So, I mean, he's semi-fantasy relevant. Kobe White, a, a rookie guy. You know, we've seen some a lot of rookies in the last couple of years come in, be really good. Um, Kobe White can score the ball a little bit. I think he can assist a little bit, right? The steals, I'm not totally sold on yet, but we'll see. So, I mean, maybe he's the guy. I don't know. I definitely not Ryan Archie Diagonal, I don't think. No, not that dude. Um, I think if I was in a deep league – 
you're probably looking in that uh, 160 range. What maybe 150 because you're like you need a if you need a guard or something like that. Um, in I actually think I'd rather take the shot on Chris Dunn because of the steals. Because if he's going to play like 28 minutes a game and Sadoransky's going to play 28 minutes a game, the fantasy stats for Chris Dunn will be slightly better. And we've also seen Chris Dunn do some nice fantasy things while the ceiling for Thomas Sadoransky is much is not the roof. The ceiling is not the roof for Sadoransky. It's the it's uh, like the third level of uh, seats, like the third row of seats. That's the that's the ceiling for Sandransky. He just doesn't have it. He just doesn't have that full entire. Um, I could put a great fantasy season together. And Chris, or excuse Chris, Kobe White. I'm staying. I'm kind of staying away from him. I don't know if he's even going to play that much. And when he does, I just don't know what I'm going to get fantasy wise from him. And I don't think it's going to be good enough to be rosterable in any standard league. Even if he's going to be playing, even if he's playing close to like 30 minutes, I think it's going to be real questionable. There's the big worry, right? So last year at North Carolina, he had 16 points, um, just over steal, three and a half rebounds, 4.1 assists, which are are all fine numbers in 28 and a half minutes. He shot 42.3% from the field for the Tar Heels. Um, that usually translates into a below 40% in the NBA, which is pretty scary, especially if he's going to try to score a decent number of points. Um, so I will say he's looked really, really good in, in, his, in, the, in the summer league. Uh, he's, and he's, he's looked very good, and it looks like he is an NBA caliber player. I just don't think it's get- not this year. It's not this year. If the Bulls are eliminated, eliminated, like if the Bulls are not good, and I don't think this necessarily happens, right? But if they're eliminated fairly early, I could see him giving the keys to Kobe White and just being like, hey, man, see what you got. Um, yeah, but I don't think it's going to yeah, be great dis- for fantasy if disagree. that happens. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but that's um, something that happens in March. Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm not talking about drafting him. I'm talking about though maybe keeping an eye on the Bulls and the Kobe oh, White, yeah. just in the sense I'm, that you know there is a scenario where in you know February, late February, early March, that maybe he's semi fantasy interesting. I'm I'm keeping an eye on this point guard situation for the entire season because if something does happen, whether Jim Boylan uh, has a stroke or gets fired or ends up. Um, you know, finally favoring one of these guys or somebody gets injured that changes this entire situation. And any of these guys playing 30 minutes a game, except for maybe Kobe white um, becomes inter- interesting. interesting, but even Kobe white in 30 games theoretically is worth paying attention to. It's an interesting strategy question for you. Um, and I think some people blow this. So let's say we see the first game, the bulls. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know who they play on opening night. doesn't matter. And we see Thomas Sadoransky play 32 minutes. Sadoransky's available on your waiver wire. Chris Dunn is on your roster. Maybe you bet Chris Dunn, right? You just said to yourself you'd bet Chris Dunn. Um, maybe it is a 15-team league. I don't know why Sadoransky's sitting out there in a 15-team league, just knowing one of them for whatever reason. They all thought Chris Dunn was going to play. Um are you dumping Chris Dunn for Sadoransky after one game? So great. I think that's a great question, Tyler. Um, I think I am picking up Sadoransky for sure. 
and I don't think I'm dumping Chris Dunn. I'm dumping a different player on my team. Well, if I if I don't have anybody worse than Chris Dunn, then maybe I'm dumping Chris Dunn. But yeah, I'm actually making that move because I think those first few days are um, are days to play the waiver wire as hard as humanly possible, and you might get lucky. You might not. Chances are you're going to drop both of those guys. So I just don't even think that it's that big of a deal. If this was like a little bit, if if these players were better, then this is a different type of conversation. But since they're not better, and chances are neither one of them will be terribly valuable, I'm going to go ahead and make that pickup. That's that's good, right? I think it's important to play the waiver wire hard in those first couple days. But if I bet on Chris Dunn, I'm not going to let one game change that, especially when I don't super trust Jim Boylan to – like you mentioned, keep a consistent rotation. Like if Chris Dunn was my worst player and I had nobody else to drop, I'm fine with picking up Sadoransky, played 32 minutes, and you've got someone else to drop. If Chris Dunn was my worst player, and that's who I bet on to kind of lead this point guard situation for the for the year, I don't think I'd make the drop for Sadoransky, just in the sense that I think you're going to regret it if you drop Chris Dunn and then Chris Dunn ends up being relatively good. In the guy, um, yeah, exactly. And maybe, you know, it was a one-game fluky thing where, for whatever reason, they thought Sadoransky was, you know, Ding up somebody hard or he was doing this or doing that, right? Like, we see fluky things in rotations all the time. And so I think if you if you do make a bet on one of these two guys, I would say don't let the very first game influence you completely, right? Like, give it, give it a couple games. Now, if you want to pick up somebody who unexpectedly plays a lot of minutes after the first game, 100% fine with that. But... That's why I kind of said I wouldn't. I would not drop Dunn. I would. I would just have both of them on my team. In a fifteen-person team, that makes sense. Yeah, and so that's just um, kind of a, a philosophy angle that I think some people like. They they pick a guy that they like, you know, in the last pick of their draft or whatever, and then you know somebody does something good for one night and it's pretty fluky, and then they make the switch and then they regret dropping somebody who ends up being much much better for the entire yeah. season. Yeah, it really depends because like your waiver, you should be playing the waiver wire in any league you're you're in. Like the last well, couple of guys on your team should be pretty bad, bad enough to and, drop. And minutes, minutes are are one thing, right? But like the ones that always get me is like when someone scores like twenty points, but they do it on like they were literally like it's nine of ten three minutes, field, and you're going, well, yeah, or like it went to overtime and they played a ton of ton of minutes, and it's like. Is the guy going to shoot 90% for the season? Like, probably not. So, like, that 20 points was pretty fake. <laughs> yeah, if, like, Dylan Brooks goes off in the first night, uh, everybody should settle the hell down. Yeah, and so, like, you got to be you gotta be mindful of playing the waiver wire and just being like, well, he had 20 points and five rebounds. It's like, well, yeah, but he can't make nine of every ten shots. Like, it's just not possible. And who's a waiver wire guy that's going to end up on uh, on everybody's roster at some point? Alex Lynn, definitely going to end up on some um, rosters. So, so I drafted him in a super deep league. Good, um, dra- good, good pickup. And I thought to myself, like, I'm not too sure why you guys are – because, like, who's going to play center on that team other than Alex Lynn? And we've seen Alex Lynn kind of disappoint in minutes in years past, but, like, he's always kind of good permanent for fantasy. And I think Alex Lynn could have a, a mini-ish breakout where, like, he finally gets, you know, like the ton of 28 – minutes a game and he does some pretty good stuff for fantasy yeah yeah that's a good call i think these late uh, we might have to do a a deep league completely dedicated to deep league podcast i think people would appreciate that but uh 
we want to know what you want to hear. So hit us up on Twitter. You can find Tyler at Tyler P Watts. You can find me at watch the boxes, or you can get a hold of both of us on Patreon, patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Listener leagues are open right now. Um, so if you want to get in on that, you better, you better sign up soon because they're, they're actually going kind of fast. Um, it's fast, in fact, it's faster than I thought they would get to. So shout out to you listeners and shout out to you. Patreons respect to you. Uh, Tyler, you got anything to plug? Uh, no, right. Um, not, not at the moment where there's going to be a lot of good stuff for me to plug, but today probably not the best day. Yeah, the season is really, really close everybody. So, uh, hit us up with your feedback and we will catch you next time. <laughs>